Hello and welcome to the CB Tech Podcast. I'm Devin Schoening along with Rob Lindquist and we're back for the second episode of our podcast. After it's, a nice wait. It's been a long time. I think we were just uh, wetting the appetite last time uh, and, and we're finally back. Our schedules have finally meshed and we're, we're back to, uh, to talk more education and more education technology. Um, so just as a reminder again, I'm Devin Schoening and on, on Twitter at DSchoening. And I'm Rob Lindquist on Twitter, at Swift360. Trust me, it's it's funny. And you can also follow at CB Tech Podcast on Twitter as well, uh, where we'll try and, and add more content there and and, uh, and try and do the show a little more regularly than we have, uh, we've been able to do the last month or so. Sure, with the initial plan, you know, the initial plan was weekly. Uh, we'll see how that goes here, especially with summer break coming up. If you have any questions during the course of the podcast or any time after, you can always contact us on Twitter, as we said before, or through email at cbtechpodcast at cbcsd.org. You can get in contact with us directly as well, again, through Twitter. So today, Devin, uh, we kind of have a set show. We know what we want to talk about. Now it's a matter of getting getting started with it. We'll see if we actually uh, stick to that. But I, I did <laughs> want to start with uh, thinking about, about, the, uh, about being connected. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about, about being connected and and been trying to do more of that. And I think one of the things that uh, is, is a very positive outcome of having a really robust one-to-one is this ability to not only connect as professionals, but also to have our, our students connect as well. Um, and I know one of the things that we've, we've looked at is really kind of all these different types of connections. And I've been leading a, a group of teachers right now, a small group, uh, getting them kind of set up on Twitter and thinking about making connections. And we have really kind of started that conversation by looking at the different kinds of connections that are available. And we really have talked about those professional connections. We've talked about personal connections. And we've also talked about how do we connect the kids that we work with every day with other kids and with experts. And so that's kind of where I want to start. What, do you, what have you done? What have you seen in, in trying to make kind of those professional connections uh, for you as a teacher, as a journalism advisor? Uh, I want to start this by saying that I wasn't a journalism advisor to start. I actually started in the field of journalism. Uh, and so I'm going to start with my personal connections and people that I knew through the business that I was in. Uh, eventually, I went into the teaching field. Um, we're going to say for money. And that's where I kind of started to discover myself professionally. Uh, and with that, I started bringing in some of my personal connections uh, into my classroom. In fact, last year I had uh, people I know uh, actually come into my journalism classroom. I knew them because of uh, my college I went to and, and the jobs I had over here. And so that was really where it started with connections for me. I, you know, and that's great. And I, you know, I'm a, for people who know me a little bit, uh, just personally, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm a little socially awkward. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a guy who likes to go out and, and meet a bunch of people. And what, what technology has allowed me to do is it's allowed me to connect with people that, that I certainly would have never connected to. There, there are lots of people who are outgoing and can, can go somewhere and meet people and talk to people. What, what technology has allowed me to do is to create those connections in this, for me, a safe place sure. uh, online, sure. which have led to uh, many more in-person kind of meetings than I would have ever done actually in person. And you know, and, and it's kind of weird to think about it, but a lot of the times now I'm seeing with my kids especially, they are more willing to use technology to contact people than face-to-face -face contact. And, and sometimes, I, I don't think it's a social awkward thing, I wasn't agreeing with you wholeheartedly when you were talking about yourself, but I know that some people find it more comfortable to send a text message than to call. 
And, and that's just the way our society is, the way the kids work nowadays. Um, when I went from the transition to uh, technology in the classroom and using Twitter especially is how I make a lot of contacts and use people uh, to keep in contact, that technology aspect is, is faster and quicker and, and more instantaneous and I'm able to get feedback a lot faster than if I were to call and leave a message and nobody responded for a while. So I think that the progression of technology here lately is really helping keep connections as much as make connections. Because the, the last, one of the kind of last couple things I want to talk about with this is, you know, what tools are people using and what tools should be promoted uh, to teachers that we work with to use? There are lots and lots of tools out there. And, and I don't like to live in this world where it's, it's constantly one tool to the next tool to the next, whether it's with teachers or with kids. Um, for, for me personally, you know, Twitter has been that place. Uh, Twitter has been the place. I saw a, a quote from uh, Paula White recently. It said, if you're the smartest person in the room, find a bigger room. That's Twitter. Uh, and Twitter is that bigger room for me. Uh, not that I'm the smartest person in any room. Uh, but Twitter is that place where I can go and find, um, find people to push my thinking. Or I can find places where I can try and push other people's thinking. But outside of Twitter, what are other tools that you've used to, to connect with people? Um, honestly, and, and I'm not just saying it because we are a Google-affiliated school, but I've just started really getting into Google Plus and Google Hangouts and things of that nature. Um, earlier this year, before I really dove into everything, I did a hangout with a previous contact I had from my college days um, with my broadcasting students, and he's currently doing broadcasting for the university. And uh, so we made that contact. I, I'm using Google Plus now as a tool to connect. Um, my blog and other things that I that I promote myself and it's kind of been the way that I'm starting to see uh, you know more professionally it's easier than maybe Facebook is at this time I agree I'm glad you brought up Facebook because I was gonna uh, do the same thing here Facebook Facebook is a tool that we've used in district uh, in our elementary schools especially for the last few years not only for communication but for some other purposes as well why do you think What's the difference? Why do people not use Facebook as much professionally, but it still seems to be the number one kind of social network personally? Well, I think there's a good mixture in there because you do see businesses, you do see all of my classes have Facebook pages. Um, and we push out our product through Facebook because we know that people are on there for personal purposes. And that's the exact reason why Facebook is good for that nature, hitting the wide audience and, and making sure you're getting people uh, who are already interested in your product and that's an important thing for Facebook in itself I think that the separation with Google Plus right now anyway is that it's so new and the people that are still on there or that are on there now are probably somehow using it professionally I don't see a lot of people right now anyway in my views uh, that are using it for personal reasons only Right, uh, and and with that, I think the the one that's the newest you mentioned Google Plus, uh, and, and part of Google Plus obviously is Google Hangouts. Right, um, and Hangouts and, and Skype are two uh, two pieces that we don't necessarily uh, think about all the time as making connections, but it's one that we use to to create these connections to actually make them happen. And you know we've had a couple of things here recently um, where we. We've had some classrooms really start to utilize those. So I was in a, you know, we were in a fourth grade classroom last week, and they did um, poem in your pocket day, and they were sharing their poems with a, another class in in Texas. And the cool thing was at the end of this this Skype session uh, that they were doing, the the teacher asked, pulled everybody together, and said, you know, what did you like about doing that Skype session? What did you like about talking to those other kids? 
And one of the one of the third graders said, uh, which I, I think is the best answer I could have ever imagined hearing. The third grader said. It was cool to share our poems with different people around the world. Absolutely. And so it's a kid, a third grader, kind of unprompted, other than what did you like about it, saying, hey, I was able to share this with somebody else that I don't know. And I think that's something that we, we kind of take for granted that the technology allows us to do, which leads kind of right into the last example I want to talk about. We had a you know fourth graders today uh, using uh, kind of, they were, they were learning about the Irish potato famine. Um, and I've been working with this class. I said, boy, wouldn't it be cool if you could talk to an expert? Uh, and so, you know, I went out and tried to find a connection uh, that they could that they could utilize. Uh, use Twitter. There's a Northern Ireland Ed Chat that happens, so I used their hashtag and said, hey, anybody, any experts out there willing to talk to our, our kids about the potato famine? And immediately I had a couple of, of people respond and say, I'd be willing to. And so today they were able to Google Hangout with this guy in Northern Ireland where he was answering all their questions about the Irish potato famine. Again, something that we couldn't do right. without these connections. And connections, I didn't know this person before. We just happen to know, you know, make these connections via these technologies. Absolutely. And, and you know, we've learned about the global community now. And I think that that's important for everybody to know is that it's available for everybody. Um, you don't have to be special to get somebody to talk to you. And, and that kind of, and I, I'm not going to really get into it right now, but it kind of leads into our next topic as well is how do you know if you're an expert or if you're good enough to have somebody come talk to your classroom or using technology in the right way or anything along that nature? Um, is it just a matter of practice? Or nobody's an expert until they've done it a million times. So. And not only that, but it's just, you know, the teachers that are, have been part of this recently, um, especially at this elementary school that we've been, have been doing some work with, many of them just didn't know what they didn't know. Right. They didn't know it was possible. Now that it is, um, they're, they're looking to all, to all kinds of things. I know one of them uh, sent me a tweet the other day. They had seen something about a classroom trying to connect with another classroom in Brazil. Uh, not a classroom in our district, but they saw it, and, and she sent me a tweet then with their, their uh, Twitter names and said, hey, these guys are trying to connect with somebody in Brazil. Do you know anything? And my first thought was, no, I, I know no one in Brazil. Right. Uh, but what I did is I, I kind of sent a tweet out to some people that I know and said, hey, I've got this classroom looking to connect with a class in Brazil. Anybody? Any thoughts? Right. And immediately I had four or five back said, hey, I have a connection in Brazil. Hey, my sister-in-law works in Brazil. Hey, this person I know works in Brazil. And I think we're going to make something happen now. I, mean, I think we're going to be able to find, with a few clicks of a button and a few connections, mm -hmm. uh, getting this class connected to somebody in Brazil. And, it's and, too cool. And it's not to take away anything from personal connections. It's not to take away anything from what we can do within our districts and things of that nature. But the possibilities and opportunities are there. And that's what's cool, if you think about it, for everybody else from here on out with the technology we have. And cool. that's with what we have. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to our next topic. All right. Welcome back. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit and try and take it from talking about purely connections that can be made, whether it's in our building or with, with people around the world, and start talking about how do we take, you know, in any, in any school and especially we're looking at it through schools that are one-to-one -one or using technology. Sure. How do you pull along those teachers that are kind of reluctant to, for whatever reason, reluctant to engage with the technology and use that with their kids? So that's where we're going to go. What are your initial thoughts on that? You being in the building, I'm not in a building right now. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that the, the way to answer this question is the way any teacher should answer the question, I think. And that is, well, how do you get your kids that aren't ready to do something to get them to do something? 
Um, not necessarily by force, because that's never a good option. Uh, but you have to make it interesting for them. You have to make it personalized. You have to make it um, differentiated. You have to make it something that they want to do or believe they want to do um, for the better of everybody. And it's not necessarily do this because it's good for you. It's look at all of the, as I mentioned before, look at the possibilities. Look at how good this could be. And hopefully they grasp on and hopefully they think, okay, this is what I need or what I could use, or what I could try even. For some of those people, uh, I know students especially, they just don't even, like you said, they don't know what they don't know. And so that's the same way with teachers. I think that it's the same way for professionals in the field. I think it's the same way for pretty much anybody. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the word the word professional, because I, I remember I wrote a blog post uh, last year maybe, um, sometime last year, and it was all about whether or not we are professional in, in, in teaching. If sure. everybody's a professional. Because really, in essence, what that means is, as a professional, I am willing to go out and learn everything I can because that'll make me better at what I do. And I don't always know if that's the case. And I think that, that, that sometimes we don't think that's the case because the professional development that we are offered uh, sure. in our profession too many times is not very good. Sure. Uh, and it has no relevance to me personally. Uh, and so that, that idea of being professional means that even if I don't get that in my workplace, there's a reason that, that, that I and a lot of people I know are out there learning all they can uh, using the web, sure. using um, whether it's Twitter, whether it's their blogs, whether it's uh, taking doing a MOOC, uh, whatever it is, I'm out there learning because I know that'll make me better professionally. And you know, my, my one requirement for being a professional is knowing more than what I didn't know when I wasn't getting paid. And I know that's kind of a weird definition, but that's how I sense it. If I'm a business professional, I feel like I'm getting paid to know this. If I'm a musician, I'm getting paid to perform, whatever it might be. And so as I differentiated professional from teacher, I don't think they're that far apart, even though I said it that way. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, you know, what I, what I think is really powerful are, uh, are narratives. Um, I think if we want to get people to move, we have to appeal to them emotionally, and we have to appeal to them with stories. I don't think there's anything more powerful than a story. Um, and I think about that in terms of, if you've ever heard, uh, been somewhere where Kevin Honeycutt has been a, a speaker. Kevin Honeycutt is, is all about the power of a narrative and all about the power of a story. Uh, you know, I went to a, a, the Building Learning Communities Alan November's conference in Boston last year. I was at a session with Darren Karopatois that was all about storytelling. And there is such a connection between being a good storyteller and having a good story, a narrative, that will get people to latch on and want to do more. You know, there is something to be said for that idea of, of, of hearing the narrative. Uh, you know, so I can think about when I go to, to elementary schools right now, just because that's where I've been uh, doing a lot of work lately, and I tell the stories about, boy, how they can get their their kids to be actual authors and publishers. And I, I tell stories that I know, but I also tell stories that I've, I've blatantly stolen and given credit uh, to Kevin Honeycutt and others. Sure. And it's the power of that narrative that oftentimes gets them to want to jump in and do something more. Is that, and this is a question here for you, is that something that you see uh, as for the teachers, I guess, or do you direct your stories or narratives towards the students, or does it work both ways? I think it should work both ways. I think that uh, you know teachers are certainly. I, I try and um, uh, offer them narratives and stories that they can latch onto, that they have some 
can have some personal connection to. But there's absolutely no reason that that wouldn't work with kids as well. There's absolutely no reason that I, that I couldn't tell a story to get a kid interested in a topic, um, interested in some content, to have them want to go deeper. You know, this this I, this thing that we did with the fourth graders uh, having a hangout with a guy in Northern Ireland, that, that was completely them wanting to know more about this potato famine. The story they launched it latched onto came from a book they were reading. And and they took this idea of the potato famine, they wanted to learn more. And the teacher allowed that to happen. So they're creating a a wee video um, about the potato famine, which they're now going to be able to use this information that they have from someone in Ireland uh, to add to that story. So I think the story can go both ways. And my, my question from my teacher hat now is, how do I make this fit my curriculum? How do I get this to work with what I'm told, quote unquote, I have to do? I would think that in, in a high school especially, where I'm teaching a specific content, that you tend to know stories about your content and about your, uh, about your subject area that other people don't know. And you take those stories and you make them uh, and you tell them in a way that kids are no longer thinking about content, they're thinking about the story. And that story is the hook. Uh, you know, so when I was, you know, if I'm teaching journalism, which I did in my prior life, you know, I'm pulling stories that I know about, about things that have happened historically in journalism. I'm using those stories as a way to get kids to kind of hook on, to latch on. Sure, absolutely. So we're going to take a minute now and just talk uh, really quickly about self-directed learning and how uh, it can be utilized in professional development as well. And with that, how much self-directed learning can be done. Um, there's always the little bit that might not do it. And so we kind of talked about getting teachers to latch on and, and, and move on with that. Um, where do you see self-directed learning in, in our education system right now? Well, I would say that it's it's vitally important uh, for teachers to to have buy-in. It needs to be about something that they that they see value in. Um, and, you know, and one of the things we've done at, at one of our schools here is um, for for part of the instructional technology PDA they get, it is completely self-directed. They they create the focus. They create what it is they're going to learn about. The only process, the only structure really to it is that they record how they're learning about it. So those can be links to blogs and videos or conversations they've had that they implement it with kids and, and just kind of write down how that was implemented and then they reflect on it. They reflect on how it went. Did it go well? Did it go poorly? And when they feel like they've got that, they move on to another focus. And so what it allows, and, and it was really hard for teachers at the beginning. You know, there were times they struggled. And, and we were talking about this earlier with kids, how sure. they would struggle with this. Um, they struggle because a lot of teachers just want to tell me what you want me to, to do or know, right? Um, this required them to kind of think about what it is that they need to be better at. Um, but then once they kind of got that, then it became this, you know, they started talking to each other and started seeing the resource, uh, the resources they have in their own building and then seeing what they can get out there in, in, you know, on the web somewhere, whether it's, whether it's through uh, blogs or just Google or something else. But they really started to kind of take off with that because it was, they had complete autonomy over what it is that they were going to try and, and get better at. And I think that's vital. You know, too many times we sit in, in meetings uh, and, and we completely zone out because we don't see the value in it for us. And I think an important aspect that you brought up there was the accountability. It was built right in. Um, and I think that I would say, you know, and I'm not going to speak for everybody, for, but for the most part, I think that most people, when they are held accountable, they will do what they need to do. Um, 
whether it's the bare minimum or not, that's up to them. But if you're holding somebody accountable for doing something, in self-directed learning especially, uh, you'd think that they would be more apt to complete it. I say that in full well knowing that I am doing some work right now on MOOCs and doing some research on that, and over 70% of people that start a MOOC don't generally finish it. Do you see that as an issue as far as people not completing what they're doing, or is it maybe more of an issue, and I don't want to be negative here, but more of an issue of, oh, I did it, but didn't really do anything. They said they did it. Yeah, I think it's certainly an issue, and I think it's an issue that, that administrators have to be uh, willing to deal with, and, and, and really maybe it's looking at the whole system of professional development in another way. Sure. Um, if, if we were in a place, and this is at lots and lots of schools, it's, it's not just here, um, if we were in a place where all, of, all teachers were willing to be transparent and share what they're learning um, and, and get good feedback. And if we were in a place where, where all administrators, building and district and, and everybody else, was, were in a position to provide really good feedback, then it wouldn't be quite the issue, sure. Um, because if I'm, you know, if I have teachers in a building who are who all have kind of these individual plans, um, and it's transparent, and I can see everything they're doing along the way. Then it's really easy to see who's not taking this seriously. And those are conversations that uh, that administrators get paid the big bucks to have absolutely with and their teachers. Remember, we're just teachers here. So yeah, absolutely, we're just spitballing. Uh, and so that would that would be something where you know that that might help even. Um, eliminate some of that so-and-so teacher or these teachers don't do it sure you know you, you make it transparent you work together you you know you kind of have this this open collaborative dialogue amongst everybody in your building and then outside of that if that doesn't happen then that's that makes it much harder to to have any accountability well i think that that's a good point for us to say uh remind you about our twitter account it's at cb uh tech podcast all one word and our email account is the same. It's cbtechpodcast at cbcsd.org. If you have any questions or comments about the show, I know you seven listeners out there probably would like to say something uh, to us. Make sure you do so, and, and make sure you get into contact with us. Uh, I'm Rob Lindquist. I'm a teacher here at the school and, and not a professional, I guess, is how we determine today. And thanks. And I'm Devin Shoney. Again, contact us anytime on Twitter. Thanks for listening.